0: Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, November 2nd. Are your winter tires on and do you remember how to navigate snow-covered roads? With our first real taste of winter driving season, we turn to someone who spends a lot of time on the road, RCMP Sergeant Darren Turnbull, who offers up some timely tips to stay safe on the slick roads.
1: It's Financial Literacy Month and this year it's more important than ever to get your financial house in order. Bruce Sellery, CEO of Credit Canada, joins us to offer up some suggestions on how to dig out of debt and make an meet
0: why are climate protesters targeting and vandalizing famous paintings like van gogh's sunflowers we get some insight into why this disturbing trend seems to be occurring more frequently with dr sally hickson professor of art history from guelph university
1: it's the tastiest fundraiser in town we catch up with calgary's greek ladies for details on their annual food bazaar taking place this weekend at the hellenic community hall are you prepared for these winter-like road conditions joining us with tips and advice to keep us safe on the winter roads today and beyond we're joined this morning by rcmp sergeant darren turnbull good morning to you sergeant turnbull thanks for being with us
2: good morning how are you
1: excellent thanks lots of crashes in and outside of the city starting last night so what do we need to remind folks about to keep in mind when we're heading out on these snow-covered roads
2: yeah, it is. Uh, it is winter. Winter is back, and the uh, the roads are very icy and slick. So, uh, every year we come up with these lists of uh, the same things to keep motorists safe. And starts with uh, keeping your vehicle in in good, safe uh, condition. Things like the winter tires, um, making sure that you have all the supplies and equipment with you that you need. Uh, if you, especially if you're heading out on the highways. Uh, um, if you do hit the ditch and you're not able to, uh, tow trucks aren't able to get you for a while, you could be there for quite a while.
0: You know, Sergeant, we could talk about the stats, the facts, the figures. And when we talk to tire retailers, obviously they want to sell you a winter tire, but we can ask you, I'm not asking you for the stats unless you have them in front of you, but anecdotally, how many of the vehicles do you see on the side of the road are without winter tires and, and what kind of a mm. difference do they really make?
2: Oh, they make, it, they make a very, uh, a huge difference. When you, when you take a look at it, um, uh, the tires have got the little uh, triangle on the side is the M&S, mud and snow, uh, winter rated tires. That's what we want to see on those tires. They are a different compound uh, in the rubber that's on to the roadway. That definitely grips much better than, the, uh, than your summer tires or even your all seasons. Um, go definitely with the winter, the winter tires for the winter driving conditions.
1: We always talk about, you know, that vehicle emergency kit. What actually should be in it?
2: Oh, there's a whole list of things that you know you want to have in there, but things like uh, a blanket or sleeping bag to keep you warm, extra clothing, um, maybe some non-perishable food that's uh, there, a candle, um, waterproof matches, uh, first aid kit. To um, care what else. Flashlight and batteries, um, booster cables, ice scrapers. Of course, we need the ice scraper. Um, Other things like that you're going to need at the side of the road until somebody can get to to you to help you out.
0: Speaking with RCMP Sergeant Darren Turnbull, and you mentioned the, the equipment and having that vehicle operating correctly, and maybe we we've scraped the windshield. We can see now we've got our winter tires on, but what is the biggest mistake? the driver's make when on snow covered roads as far as their behavior and uh, you know their skill level
2: yeah, it's uh, definitely the fact that uh, the road is slippery and, and as a result of that, you might uh, be able to, you know, if you're in your four by four truck, you got all, you know, four wheels drive and you're cruising along, well, getting up to speed, no problem, but it's stopping. Um, being able to come to a stop safely when the roads are icy, uh, there's only so much friction between your tire and the, the pavement and if in these weather conditions when it's when it's poor driving conditions you have to adjust your driving in order to to be able to slow down and come to a stop when something happens in front of you
1: we're glad that you're out there keeping the roads safe thanks so much for joining us this morning appreciate your time No problem. Take care. Thank you. Darren Turnbull, RCMP Sergeant. Just a reminder, it's slippery, right? We forget. It happens every year, but we've got months that we've not spent in poor weather. And now you kind of forget just how long it takes or the distance it takes sometimes for your car to stop when it's snowy, when it's slippery. Whenever I Would you pull out of your driveway and just jam the brakes and see what happens? That's what I do every morning when it's crappy like it's this. It's
0: funny that you say that because, yes, listening, I mentioned this earlier that, uh, you know, on The Drive, oddly enough, it was called The Drive <laughs> at Henley's Show. Um, you know, Phil in host Jalen and I was talking with Brian Turner from driving.ca yesterday. And one of the uh, bits of advice he said was particularly... There's residential roads where there's not a ton of cars on the yep, side exactly. where you're not going to be driving the traffic. You've got to test because you don't know when it's covered with snow. Is there black ice under there? Yep. And, you know, to that point, he was also asked about how long you warm the car up for. In case you're wondering, Sue, gas prices are not cheap. <laughs> you're not going to leave that thing running for a half hour. Fair. Um, what he said, which was really incredible was he was just a few minutes with modern day cars you've got to get the fluids moving within the engine but the other thing he said is as soon as you can see through the windshield because if the car's done its thing and and it kind of defrogged uh, defrogged it you don't want any frogs <laughs> no that you does do not help. that They're really distorts lizards. Yeah. Um, as long as the windows aren't foggy then that's a sign that your car is ready to go it doesn't matter how hot it is in there for you Although, have You ever had one of those friends who goes and we're up the car and you go in and it's like a trip to Hawaii when it's minus 30? <laughs> your hair suddenly curls. So hot yeah. in your... Some people like that,
1: right? Yeah, some do. Um, just a couple of reminders too about traffic problems. Some people are texting in. Adam says uh, drove from Sundance to the TELUS Convention Center on McLeod. Wasn't great, but people were being good. And then said he drove back down McLeod and it's now bumper to bumper northbound. So a heads up, it's going to be a slow drive for you this morning. We're all kind of getting back into the habit of it. Somebody else said, uh, looks like there's an accident uh, at the Clooney turnoff onto the Trans Canada major backup. So, whether you're inside or outside of the city, roads are going to be crummy this morning. Well, not crummy because that would help your traction. Really slippery.
0: Yeah, put some crumbs down, Sue. Thanks. Okay, but what's, what's interesting is years ago we, we'd say, "Well, I got to get where I got to get for work." Of oh, the pandemic, and this is maybe a positive result. Maybe you don't have to go in. Maybe you could do a Zoom meeting today. Maybe you can put things off and work from mm-hmm. home. Sure. Because I think that, that that is key. We used to say it all the time and, you oh, come on, I gotta, I've got to leave the house. Well, maybe you don't have to. And then if you have to later and you can change your times, there'll be less traffic. You just have to give yourself that time and that space between your vehicle and the vehicle in front of you. And we do know
1: city sanders, city plows are out. I'm not sure about the highways and the, is it CarMax that's that takes CarMax, care of yeah. the deer foot? So I'm assuming they're out there doing their job. Everybody was prepped for this. Um, unfortunately, people like me and Marina are unhappy about the fact we've had to wear long pants and socks today. Both Marina and I are wearing socks for the first time. I hate socks. You're much
0: heartier than I am. I'm a tender flick. I've been wearing socks for a couple weeks now. Really? Full disclosure. Ugh, I hate it.
1: Now is the time. Time to get your financial house in order, prepare for a potential recession and any financial uncertainty that could be down the road. Joining us to help prepare our financial readiness kit is Bruce Sellery, CEO of Credit Canada. Good morning to you, Bruce. How are you? A lot of mixed
3: messages in the promo of this segment here. You called me slick and slippery, and then you promised straight talk and played Elton John. Have you talk, Did you talk to my husband before you wrote that script? Oh, I, I, like, I don't even know what you're talking
1: about. Maybe a little bit. A little bit. A little bit.
0: <laughs> Would you rather us play money? It's a, it's oh, a crime. That's
3: wanted... good. Oh. Yeah, sure. Or ABBA. Also good.
0: Sure. What, oh, money, money, money! I get oh, it. That's yeah, a good one okay. Too. Yeah, I yeah, wasn't yeah. sure if you wanted us to play uh, any other of their hits, you know, like Dancing yeah. Queen. But you know, if, <laughs> I don't know where I you're think coming dancer from. Tiny dancer, I fine. Bill. sure, totally. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to talk finances with you, Bruce. Though, and uh, we're happy to have you on the program here. And, uh, it is my pleasure. Uh, well, one of the things—tell me if I'm wrong—I did say it may be in my lifetime, and I'm very youthful. Uh, this Financial Literacy Month, November 2022, is it more important than ever? It is more important than ever because the
3: uncertainty we face is probably the most that we've seen, certainly in 14 years since the financial crisis. But you could say uh, even further back because there was a lot of localized challenges in the financial crisis of 2008. It hit so many sectors hard, but it wasn't inflation that affected every single one of us. It wasn't rising interest rates that affected every single one of us, even if you don't own a home. And we have so much uncertainty about the war in Ukraine and the, you know, to use the phrase, the geopolitical environment, these nutty, nutty weather events that we're facing. So it really is fair to say that we are in uncertain times and we need to be prepared.
1: Okay, so we talk financial literacy. How do you actually define that and then move forward Hmm. in terms of making it happen?
3: So I think financial literacy is a pretty low bar. It is a basic understanding of, you know, the reading and writing equivalent of money. So what are some definitions? Are you uh, earning more than you are spending? Those sorts of things. I think I would elevate the um, expectation for all Canadians to be more than just literate, right? Like we need our our six-year-olds and our seven-year-olds and our eight-year-olds to basically be literate, but we have an expectation of adults that they can read, they can write, and they can think. So I think it's really important that we develop an ability for people to think and to behave in a way that serves them from a financial perspective, which is why mm-hmm. we have come up with the Financial Readiness Kit. You can get it at creditcanada.com FLM dash 2022, and here was the metaphor that 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 prompted this thinking. It was you know people always talk about you need to have batteries, you need a can of tuna, you need a chocolate (laughs) bar, you need all those things, right? And you know I think the time that you test whether you have those things is when the power go out and goes out, and you think, do I actually have batteries? Yes, I do. Hooray, I do. So there is a financial equivalent, and this morning we can talk about what some of those ingredients are
0: that go in that red knapsack with the cross on it all right we're going to get into those ingredients in in one second but i'm wondering if if part of the issue now is uh you know i've heard the term working poor in the past Mm -hmm. and that's what i see more and more is people who might have two jobs um you know and have not had issues in the past now having issues making those ends meet are you seeing that people with no experience making ends meet who've never had to until now yeah
3: 100% Hundred percent. Because think about what it costs you to put fuel in your car, and if you have a commute to work, you just—it's not like you're driving for pleasure on weekends. You have to commute to get to your job. You're now paying a lot more. You're paying a lot more for basic groceries. Forget Uber Eats or ordering in. Cauliflower, bread—every single thing that you bought costs more. And interest rates are rising, and that's certainly relevant for people who have, um, you know, a variable rate. Mortgage, That's costing them more, but it shows up in other ways too. If you've got a home equity line of credit, it's costing you more to uh, to maintain that
1: debt. Let's talk about your financial readiness kit. Again, people can go to creditcanada.com slash FLM dash 2022. I see that you've got a kit for everyone, a kit for youth, a kit for women, and a kit for 55 and better is coming soon. But let's kind of go into the basics then. The kit for everyone. What does that look like?
3: Cash. Cash. Remember that Rogers outage in the summer? Mm-hmm. It was just really helpful if you had a hundred bucks stashed somewhere, which you know it's it's like those batteries. Who's ever gonna need that? And then whoops, all of a sudden you need it passwords strong secure passwords stored somewhere where you can access them in an emergency i use a password manager and i find that really really helpful emergency savings so if you were to lose your job you will need money to cover your rent or your mortgage and this needs to be somewhere other than just a regular savings account How much that is depends on your circumstances. So if you've got two people in the gig economy, you might need more than if you've got two educators with union jobs and, you know, it's unlikely that you're going to lose them both at the same time. Access to low cost credit is also an important part of this kit because it may be that your emergency savings is insufficient uh, either to to deal with a job loss or, you know, your furnace breaks, your stove breaks, your fridge breaks, your car breaks. Breaks, And it may be that you need to put that on credit in order to qualify for that low cost credit, you're going to need a pretty good credit score. So um, that, you know, underscores the need for good financial behavior, not just in November. Then I would also say on the insurance front, just make sure your home and auto is up to date. It's what you need and record the contents of your home grab your phone start your bedroom start your bedroom and then record a video walkthrough of your entire house and narrate any of the details about the contents so that if you ever need to make a claim you've got this record and it will it will certainly come in handy
0: huge we've got one minute left bruce and and again you've made it very much self-serve do it yourself when you go to creditcanada.com slash flm dash 2022 you can look at those resources But at what point do I know that it's time to reach out to a professional and I can't do it myself? What are the signs that I really need to talk to a pro?
3: If you are feeling super stressed about your debt level, you should pick up the phone and call a nonprofit credit counselor. Not just me. There's great agencies across this country, but Credit Canada is obviously the one where I work. But if you're feeling stressed about it, if you have credit card debt that you are having a hard time paying off, and the simple rule of thumb for me is, if it's if you've got credit card debt that exceeds ten grand, you should pick up the phone and call us because there is more invent, intervention that you will need to help get that. Even if you can make those payments, boy, you're spending a lot on interest every single month, and um, you could use some support in uh managing your spending managing that expense maybe consolidating your debt there's lots of different options available to you but people don't need to be stressed there's an entire group of people nonprofit folks who are sitting at the other end of the phone waiting to call and provide help
1: always a pleasure chatting with you bruce it is financial literacy month so we'd love to uh, pick your brain a little more as we move through the month of november sound good
3: I will be here, and I look forward to the playlist
1: that Thank will you precede so much. our <laughs> Have a great day, Bruce Celery, CEO of Credit Canada. His website moolala.ca, and the one he's referring to is creditcanada.com/slash/flm-2022. Yes, that's the sound of tomato soup being thrown on Van Gogh's sunflowers painting at the National Gallery in London by activists from Just Stop Oil. Why are famous works of art being targeted by protesters? Joining us to talk about it is Dr. Sally Hickson, Associate Professor of Art History at Guelph University School of Fine Art and Music. Good morning to you, Professor. Thanks so much for being with us. Good morning. Thank you. I don't I quite understand the reasoning behind the targeting of famous artwork for these protests. Can you explain a bit about that?
4: Yeah, I think what they're doing is they're choosing, they're picking targets that um, are well-known to people and that have very high value. And they're saying, you know, if you value this, then you need to value the planet because we won't have this anymore. I mean, that's a less articulate way of putting it, mm. but...
0: But don't you don't you think uh, to a certain extent that what we're doing here is, uh, I guess, effectively having the general public or those folks who's paid a lot of money to fly and see these, you know, priceless uh, pieces of art uh, not having sympathy for these protesters because they're ruining the experience?
4: Oh, yes, absolutely. I think what you know, I think the, the result is going to be that it's kind of a violation of the public trust Mm -hmm. right that's one of the things that galleries are charged to do is to kind of care for like create safe spaces for works of art and safe spaces for people to look at works of art and you know this kind of behavior could result in making prisons for art instead of places for people.
1: That's the sad thing. I mean, it, it truly is selfish. I get that you want to protest and, you know, people have the right to do that, but this is, it truly, it, it's selfish, I believe. So are, are they looking at different ways to protect artwork more, which, as you say, is going to put the, that art in prison and we won't be able to see it as closely or as well as we might normally be?
4: Well, it kind of coincides, I mean, this be, behavior, these acts, of, they're almost like performance art in some ways. I mean, we have to be really careful here because they, they have been... Careful about what they're doing in that they're using non-corrosive, non-damaging kind of substances. They're attacking works that are covered by glass. They're gluing themselves to the wall or to the frame or occasionally to the glass. And so far, they haven't really damaged anything. So I think that from that point of view, it's it's a kind of well-planned sort of, yeah, I would call it performance art in some ways. Mm. Um, But it is inevitably, I think, going to go over the line, right? Um, and I do think that they're aware that it's coinciding with a period when there's so many people going to galleries because, you know, everybody couldn't go anywhere for uh, during the pandemic, and galleries subsequently are having a lot of security issues, and they're also having the kind of staffing issues with their security that other big um, industries are having.
0: And when it comes to, uh, you know, protecting these pieces of art I was reading up on it and some have been under glass for years if not decades uh, right. but others are perhaps not are we seeing any other steps being taken by these galleries that will impede you know the enjoyment of this art from from the people in the public that want to see them
4: um i'm not aware of any specific but you know there are works of art for example like um um the Mona Lisa at the Louvre, which you can only look at from behind a big uh kind of plexiglass kind of screen that stands between you and it um so you know there is the possibility of putting in those kinds of barriers of controlling numbers to a greater extent than they're being controlled now, and um you know just basically keeping people away from things um. There's kind of a lot of security theater that goes on when you first go into a large gallery and that there's, you know, detectors, metal detectors and stuff. But, you know, there's nothing illegal about walking in with soup or mashed potatoes or something, I don't think. So, Um, you know, what is interesting to me is that somehow they've managed to have time to put on, you know, neon vests and stuff and Mm -hmm. kind of um, prepare um, to be very visible with what they're doing. So somebody's probably not watching carefully enough. And, you know, once the behavior has kind of been patterned, then people can look for that kind of behavior.
1: We just got a text in from Dale who says that organization has lost all legitimacy in my mind. In fact, it just drives me to support oil and gas even more. Their tactics are backfiring. I think that's probably, you know, a, a feeling that a lot of people in Canada, particularly in Alberta, might have. It's not, it's not really helping their cause. or Or is it? Because we're talking about it. Well, that's what I think.
4: It is in that we're talking about it. But I, the sort of danger in my mind is what we're talking about is what, we're, what they're doing. And we're talking about, you know, kind of art under siege. We're not talking about uh, climate under siege, right? So from, from that point of view, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that we're having the conversation that they would want us to have. Right. Um, and I think from, from that point of view, maybe it's not as successful. Um, it's successful as a kind of stunt. It's successful in drawing attention, but then you need the rest of the dialogue to kind of be brought along to the point they are trying to make. So, you know, I was talking to a friend yesterday, actually, who lives in Calgary, and um, she said, uh, you know, she finds it perplexing. Mm. um, And I know there are people that find it um, well beyond that, as you're saying, it's a violation, right? Mm -hmm. It's vandalism.
0: Are we seeing, I'm sure that there are some closures or at least sections of these museums when an attack like this happens on a piece of art, but... Is, is part of the staying open and uh, providing the service to, to see these pieces of art for the public, uh, you know, uh, steadfast with these institutions, important to them to, to, to kind of say, we're not going to be forced to close because of your actions? Is that something that uh, remains con- consistent?
4: Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at statements about museums and the public trust, what they're there for, there's two main kind of principles there. One is to uh, basically protect and conserve uh, works of art that are determined to be of you know importance culturally, etc. And the other is to essentially provide... Um, you know, truthful information about those works as a matter of public education. Um, so, yes, it's a big part of their mandate. But believe me, they're not beyond, um, you know, putting certain things away or creating um, circumstances in which they're much more careful about who's allowed to go in and see particular things. I was in New York a couple of weeks ago, and um, we were at MoMA, and everyone was clustered around Van Gogh's Starry night. Um, and people were getting so close that, you know, there was some danger of that being kind of knocked off the wall and stuff. So you're seeing this kind of weird, well, I shouldn't call it weird, but there's a kind of behavior that's going on worldwide, even among tourists,
1: you know, in places like Venice, jumping into the canals. Like, people are a little bit out of control. It seems so. It's just a fascinating topic. Thanks so much for for joining us and giving us your perspective. Appreciate it this morning. Okay, thanks. Nice to talk to you. Thank you so much. Dr. Sally Hickson, Associate Professor of Art History at Guelph University, School of Fine Art and Music.
0: It's very weird. It's very weird. And, uh, you know, I, I I can't go to a concert without being checked. It's a shame that this has to happen. But and you someone's
1: would... texted in Ross to say, what about restricting backpacks yeah. and checking purses? There, there
0: it is. And I understand. And that's the last question. I, I'm not sure how articulate I was getting it to the professor in the. You know, you got to keep open or else they win. Mm-hmm. They win. And again, uh, this is, it belongs. When you talk about that public trust, it belongs to all of us. Yeah. We want to enjoy this. Very
1: part. true. But as she points out, we're talking about the artwork, yep. not talking about what the no. intent of their protest is. That's so, the thing. I think it fails. But
0: I mean, even if you put that can of soup in a, a plastic container, you can check people's pockets and bags. So maybe they need to yeah, do a better it's job of shame that. we're doing that, but that's what we've come to. Yeah. To some extent, saving the best for last. This is going to be the tastiest segment mm-hmm. of the morning, Sudiel. We are very excited. Greek food being cooked up for a good cause. It will be delicious, and it will make a difference. Uh, Joining us in studio is Ekaterina and Tony from the Greek Ladies. Philoptuchos. Am I saying that correctly? Philoptuchos
5: Philoptuchos Society of That's what I said. Yeah,
0: Yeah. (laughs) We're very excited to have you here uh, because we've had... uh, We're glad to be here. We've crossed paths with you guys
5: before, and uh, you're here
0: for a very special uh, reason, the bazaar. Tell us about this bazaar. What's going to be happening? Uh, Tony or Ekaterina? uh, Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear no,
1: you i we've got you there. Tomorrow. tomorrow. And uh, we, um, this year, we're lucky after the pandemic, and we will have tables inside so people can dine in or take food to go. Mm-hmm. And we have all kinds of stuff. We have moussaka, pasticio, meatballs, <gasps> dolmades, chuvlaki. Eh, Obviously, yeah. We have lots of stuff. So yes. we're hoping to be a success this year uh, because the last couple of years, we uh, did it only to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, thank you for having us here. I'd like to thank you very much. And I hope to see you there. If you have some time, come and see us. It we'll is our, our honor, f- honor to have you on it. And, and Tony, I know we've chatted before, and, and this is an annual event. Now getting back it after is. the the pandemic, yeah, so yeah. back in full force. I know you put a lot, you and your team put a yeah. lot of work and time yeah. into this bazaar, and you raise a lot of money. We do, and a good chunk of that you donate to our Calgary Children's Foundation, which we're yes. very grateful for. Yes. how many people get involved in something like this, and what's it oh. like?
5: How many people do we have? Yep. It varies. We it start varies, cooking yeah. in August already. We wow. start preparing things. Wow. So, And this is ongoing. and And it's all volunteers. So a lot of people may be away on holidays, but then some people are here and we just do what we can. And it basically, like the last couple of weeks are the climax, mm-hmm. if you will. We do all the... Uh, cooking like the moussaka, the pastizo the tiropites, spanakopites. Yeah. I'm hungry just yeah. listening to yeah. you. Yeah, I'm so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, how many people that we have? I don't know. I what? would say probably all together maybe 20, 25 people. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So raising money through selling
1: Greek food. Beautiful just selling Greek food, food. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's all volunteers.
5: None of us get paid for anything. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, some people will donate uh, supplies, if they can. If not, we just go out and try and find the best deals. And we've got some ladies going to these markets in the Northeast that I've never even heard of. And they come back with crates of peppers and tomatoes. Wonderful. And whatnot. Yeah. They, yeah, uh, really a lot of effort goes yeah. into mm-hmm. it for K- sure. Kicking yeah.
0: off tomorrow at the Hellenic uh, Community yeah. Center, one Tamarack Crescent Southwest. Right. No admission, it's buy a little, buy a lot. You've got to feed the whole family, so buy a lot. You've take got a it, Facebook page, right? So people can get the you. info there. Yes, yeah. we're
5: on Facebook. Under it's, what? How do they find uh, you? It's the Greek Ladies Philoptical Society of Calgary. Okay. Yeah. Good
0: stuff. Good stuff. We'll be checking it out. What a great uh, yeah. opportunity to make a difference. And uh, So
5: it lasts until, sorry for interrupting. Oh yeah, no. So it starts tomorrow, and then thir- tomorrow at 3, we open three. the doors, and then Friday Thursday, from right? about 11, and then Saturday again from 11 and then Sunday again. So it's a four-day event. No
0: chance to miss out. Thank you so much for your time, Tony and Ekaterina. Thank you so much.
5: Thank you for having us. Thank you very much.